Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that transmits opinions, not diseases. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week, we're going to talk about what we have been watching over the past two weeks, and we'll talk about real news. And our main review, we're going to pull up, make a stop at Bullet Train, Brad Pitt's latest blockbusting motion picture. The numero uno film in the world, I think. Just made that up. I know it is in America, but let's go with it, yeah? Yeah. James, you sound different environmentally. It looks different. What's different? <laughs> with I used to have a table, a folding table that I'll pull out, put my computer on it, record in there, in the, in the box room, which is the quietest, more sound-protected room. But instead, we've cleared out loads of stuff, thrown away loads of stuff, inspired by Marie Kondo and her Tidying Up Netflix programme, reviewed in episode 102. We just said, let's get rid of loads of stuff, and it's basically created a second living room um, where we've got one of the sofa cushions on the floor, a big, a nice big table, and, yeah, I'm sitting more comfortably today. Fantastic. Well, that's that's great news. Are you well in yourself? I am I am well. Would you like to hear a Tesco story? Oh, I bloody love a Tesco story. Hit me with it. Finished our shopping. We've got our trolley. We're pushing it out of the store just as we're walking out the store, but but before the security gates, a man, a scraggly looking man, wearing a backpack. Um he he made a quick overtake and dashed through the security gates almost at the same time as us. He set the alarm off, but he didn't hesitate. He kept going. He made a brisk walk out the store and down the street. The security guard stopped me and my wife and said, oh, have you got any uh, electrical goods on you? And I just said, look, it's obviously him. Look at him. (laughs) What were you Um, wearing? (laughs) we, we, We had cleaner hair. We were not, we were not, we didn't have uh, scruffy, dirty blonde hair with a backpack, obviously full of stolen goods, uh, walking out of the store. And the security guy just said, oh, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Let him go, just let him go. And that was it. Well, that's that's the rule, isn't it? If it's, you've got to remain safe. So I think if there's any slight risk of a stabbing, you just say, on your merry way, good on you, well stolen. Yeah, I think that that's true. That's true. This is the security guards are actually there to protect the stock where possible, but they'll not protect people. And if there's any threat of injury, they won't. They'll just forget it. They'll leave it. Like when I gave a a, a, a lost driver's license to the security guard at Zara, and he just shrugged his shoulders. It had nothing to do with him. What do you want me to do with this? <laughs> Uh, I did I ever tell you about when I went to Sainsbury's and obviously I don't look that intimidating meek looking me I we did a full shop we left and then we went next door to Marks and Spencer's pretending we had money we didn't buy much and uh, suddenly a manager who actually I don't know his name we actually we used to go to school with him the manager of Sainsbury's in Lee we used to go to school with him. Embarrassment number one. And two security guards marched over to me and went, mate, you're not paid for your shopping. Can you come back, please? Then they marched me in, three of them, 
Like how how embarrassing is that? And made me pay for it. I mean, fair enough, making me pay for it. I should have done it in the first place. It turned out my card required a pin, and I thought it was contactless. Whatever. But uh, yeah, they they saw no risk involved with me, so they approached me. Um, yeah, you should have just very confidently kept walking and didn't don't turn around and hesitate. But I think I think that was a, that was a nice tactical maneuver to just do a, a swift overtake. Pass through at the same time as me, and then ha- have me get the attention of the security guard. Oh well, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah, done it about ten times that day, probably. You scumbag! You scraggly looking scumbag. Yeah, I mean, don't don't judge people by what they look like, but also you 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 can, you really can. <laughs> still, still use common sense where needed. Yeah, yeah. Right. Shall we get down to the bones of it all? Yes. Would you like to go first, as I've just told a very long Tesco story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. Okay. Daniel, what have you been watching? First one, quick in, straight out, into the deep on Now TV. Don't waste your time. It's terrible. So this was only watched because I saw it pop up on Now TV. I thought, oh... I'll do my usual. What's the IMDb rating? There isn't one, and there wasn't one for another two days. So I thought, well, no, use this as a w- bit of a weird opportunity to make your own mind up. Watched it, terrible. Wait for the reviews. It's about a woman who lives in a coastal town. She meets an American stranger, played by Alexandra Daddario's brother, Matthew, as he's most famously known, and... He takes her off in the night after she's had a few drinks. She wakes up in the middle of the ocean. What's he playing at? Turns out he's not a nice guy. He's a bit of a rapist. So I've spoiled it. But do you know what? Really don't waste your time. It's just so generic and boring. But the weirdest part of this film is the end credits for something that is about rape. It does not fit the film. It's just... Anyway... Please don't watch it. Into the Deep on Now TV. Right, okay. What else then? Have you got <laughs> any any anything to recommend? I've stolen one off you. 13 Lives. So this is a new film that dropped on Amazon with, again, no fanfare over the weekend or two weekends ago as you're listening to this. It's a dramatisation of the cave rescue of 13 boys in Thailand who were trapped in a cave in 2018 and if you didn't know it's directed by Ron Howard and stars Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell and they play two of the British divers who were central I would say but not the only ones um, who helped with the operation and you might remember I reviewed the documentary on the same thing a few months back called The Rescue which is still available on Disney Plus and is very very good if you've seen the documentary this isn't adding anything extra that you didn't already know, but it is a solid retelling of everything that was covered in that. And I mean everything. I don't think they missed any single part of what was explained there. So if you're in a similar position to me, whereby my partner, she hadn't seen the documentary and I think she'd just done what I'd done and read the headlines. I was like, you will find this really fascinating. Let's let's watch it, providing it's good. Um, and that's what we did. And it's a solid film. Some of the reenactments in the the rescue, the documentary, it, it fell a bit flat for me. And I know they had a limited budget. It's a documentary, 
but it's it was still tense you know there was that race against time element to it and it was filled with drama but this takes advantage of that and there's a lot more edgy receipt moments um when it comes to the diving but again it doesn't rely solely on that to create the tension um i don't you've seen this haven't you yes i have seen it just to clarify before we go on would you recommend it despite having already seen the documentary the rescue 100 percent, yeah because right. i just think for me it was fascinating seeing the actors embody those people that i'd seen in the documentary and a few months ago it may be but i was like that is i'm sure he is bang on impersonating that guy colin farrell he was really really good they were both good in it to be honest but i would recommend it um back to how it's kind of filmed and the way that in which it shows you the lengths that these people went to there's they come up with like a map visual at times when they're in the cave and it's like three and a half hours into the dive and how far they've actually traveled but then there's a lot of back and forth going in and out of the cave and it completely skips that bit out and it does make you forget just how long it takes to get to that point and regardless of that i think they've they've obviously we can't have a 24-hour film that shows us this so that makes complete sense but i think the way that it cuts corners and does show you that information is good uh, one thing that surprised me with this i don't know if you agree but it wasn't like a heartfelt tear-jerking film and it definitely had the ability to be that it's very much we've got a problem let's solve it there's another problem let's solve it bang 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 and yes you do see the families in distress and that that is quite harrowing but it doesn't linger on that and it doesn't exploit them i wouldn't say it's, it's just presenting the facts telling you what happened and all the more entertaining for it in my opinion because i just don't like crying so that suited me very well it is two and a half hours long i did not feel it it floated by um and that's despite me knowing where the story was going just really really good storytelling and a very inspirational story i thought but what did you think i agree i completely agree i had not watched the documentary beforehand but i did watch the documentary immediately after on the same day so i i agree with everything that you've said i think it does a good job of setting up how big the cave is how long it takes to go back but then like you say, it just eventually starts to cut that all out. They do they do a good job of giving you an idea of the distance, but they don't show 13 boys being dragged along for minutes and minutes on end. Mm. There's, a, there's a good shot where they're carrying one of the boys and it just quickly just cycles through like one, two, three, like three of their faces just in the same shot, just to give the idea. Yep, they did three more. Carry on. Yeah. And I've seen some negative reviews that say that point you've sort of said about how it's not very tear-jerking. It's quite straightforward. And that's negative, but I just think it's very deliberately understated. And I think the way that it's understated and very workmanlike, this is this going very, very deep here. The way that it's very understated and workmanlike, that reflects the attitude of the rescue divers of the Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell characters because they're just like, yep, we're going to dive. We're here to dive. Let's go in and do it. Mm. Like they have a very calm, workmanlike, professional approach to it, and the film is made in that way. But if yeah. it was directed yeah. by J.J. Abrams, it would be outrageous like editing and lens flare from the torches and heavy 
editing and lots of drama every time the air tank hits a rock, but it's just not done in that way. It's done in a more restrained way. But even with that, when they are uh, swimming, every little noise, like any any rock falling or an air, the air tank just brushing the rocks, it's so effective. Mm. It's effective because it's restrained, whereas negative other negative reviews are saying it fails because it's so undramatic. Yeah, no, I'm glad we're on the same page. I don't think I agree with that. If you, if you want that film, I watched the trailer today for a film that came out, I think, on the exact same day called The Cave Rescue, Yeah, which is the exact same story again, but made by Lionsgate and does not look understated at all. So if that's what you want, go and seek that film out. But without watching it, I would say this is probably going to be the better of the two. So yeah, Viggo Mortensen is brilliant in it. Does some great acting. Yes, can I confess something really embarrassing to you? What? While we were watching it, I said to my missus, "I went, he's Dutch, him. Doesn't he do a great English accent?" And then found out that he's actually American and it's his father who's Dutch. So just chatting nonsense. Okay. Yeah, he is great there is a moment where he's talking to one of the Navy SEALs and he stops talking, sort of looks down, bites his lip, starts to walk off, does another look, and then walks off again. Mm. Pure acting, pure acting. Uh, One thing that you will get in this film that you didn't have in the documentary is an argument over custard creams. So that's the differentiator between the two, if you ask me. Yeah. Another thing, did you notice that in the documentary... Viggo Mortensen's character, who's a real person, he he's just a he's a restrained, pretty straightforward guy, and he has a long term partner who I think we can assume he's he's married to now. But the way the character's written in the film, he's just I don't like kids. He's shown to be living by himself, it seems, and he's he's like he's borderline heartless in his realistic approach to things, which still it was still really good. But I just thought it was interesting that they've gone a certain route with that character but if i was watching it and i was that guy i'd be thinking i'm not like that i'm actually really <laughs> nice. no but I, I think that i mean you've seen them in close proximity it's a few months for me but i still feel like they did capture the essence of his character i still seem to remember in the documentary yes he is more of a fa- family guy but he doesn't seem like the emotional sort yeah and that that kind of came through so yeah i think they have took a few liberties but i think they've 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 still remained true to him somewhat. Hopefully he's I not agree. too pissed off about it. But uh, I agree. We'll, we'll find out next week when we interview British diver. Don't know his name. So that's 13 Lives on Amazon Prime. Free. Free. Seems like, did that not seem like a really big budget film as well to just throw on? Yeah. those. But Number one, it's Ron Howard. And then you've got Viggo Mortensen, Colin Farrell, and one of the Edgertons, mm. Joel. Is it? Yeah. 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 Anyway, there you go. That's what you pay your now £8.99 a month for. Unbelievable. What else have you been watching? From the mind of Alex Garland, who brought us the sensational Ex Machina, which was my film of whatever year that was, I think, comes the simply titled Men. And in Men... Jesse Buckley plays Harper, who retreats to the English countryside following the suicide of her husband, only to be plagued by a town full of Rory Kinnears. More on that later. 
Um, and then her idyllic bliss turns into a bit of a full-blown nightmare. Th- this is a very strange film, and it's definitely not for everyone. I'd heard quite a lot of mixed responses to it as it was released. And I do recall hearing a story, and this never bodes well, <laughs> where the direct- director got up on stage and apologised for the film before the audience had seen it. So that gives you a good indication that it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And I I knew this was going to be divisive, but I love horror and I quite like this guy's work. So I was very curious as to where I would come down on it. I don't don't know why, but I was expecting this to be a lot more abstract and out there as a film. And it it is in many respects, especially in the final third. But the build up to it is surprisingly straightforward. It's just a woman exploring her surroundings, a house and the countryside, coming to terms with the death of her husband. And that is literally about it, really. That is the film. But it it does have atmosphere. It's very foreboding. And you do get that sense of isolation that she feels. And it's all very well executed with, with many metaphors galore. And when the horror arrives, it's it's very inventive. It's striking to look at, if not a bit vomit-inducing. And that's all stuff that I think is in the film's favour. The fact that Rory Kinnear plays every male character, even to the lengths of playing a teenage boy, is unsettling, um, but technically astounding, because they did manage to pull that off. But when it boils down to it, each male character is a sort of stereotype or caricature and not a positive one. So obviously, through my cynical lens, this is just let's lump all men into the same box and say that we're all primal, simplistic beings who just can't escape our, I don't know, predisposition for just being a bunch of shits. And that is a simple message, but I don't think that's all there is to this film. I think there is a lot more to read into it. But call me dim, I just didn't really want to. It was a bit inaccessible come the end and I just thought I don't really know what the point of all this was Uh, disregarding that I'm not saying it's not worth watching because like I say it's one of those films that I think if you look beyond the visuals there is more going on and repeated viewings will be rewarded but it's whether you actually want to put yourself through that and I think for the majority of people the answer would be no thank you and what the fuck did I just watch so, yeah, if you like something a bit different that's ambiguous with its ending, maybe you'll like it, but if you definitely don't like that sort of film, skip it. This intrigued me just based on Alex Garland and Jesse Buckley, but the reviews have turned me off and you've sealed it. I don't think I'm going to watch it. Do your usual. When it comes out on streaming for free, just skip through it. Skip through it, yeah. Anyway, that's enough of me going on. James, what have you been watching this week? As promised, I watched Black Book, Blackbird, Blackbird, featuring the other Edgerton, Elton John Edgerton, and it's finished now. Only six episodes. I was surprised when it ended. I thought, oh, this is all this is all coming to a head a bit early, but it was actually the final episode. I enjoyed it. If it was ten episodes, I probably would get bored, but it maintains the tension. The growth of that Elton John Edgerton character is good. The serial killer guy, very creepy. They introduce 
new sort of time limits and new reasons for the main character to speed up his mission of befriending the serial killer. And I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Did you realize that the female FBI agent is one of the lovers from the killing of two lovers? Only after I, I, I IMDb'd her. No, I did not realize that. Yeah, I think 8.3 IMDb is a bit high, mm. but it is good. It's one of the, it's one of the most worth watching things of the last few weeks. I agree. I finished it as well and completely stick to what I said. I really enjoyed it. And give the guy who plays the serial killer, Larry, an Emmy or a Golden Globe. Yeah. He is yeah. fantastic in it. And not to go on and on, I Googled the case afterwards and it's quite shocking how true to life it is. You know, the whole, oh, I can't actually say it because it's a spoiler, but the whole end episode where it's a bit like, you've set this up. Clearly, this did not happen. Like all, all that did happen, and it's like, wow, yeah. okay, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, Blackbird, give it a watch. Very, very good. Yeah. What else have you been watching? You've nicked one off me. The Sandman. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that first, but, I, but oh, I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll, sorry. no, it's fine. 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 The Sandman, the number one piece of content on Netflix, based on Metallica's best-known song. And Sandman, which I'm not that I'm not that familiar with. I'm not that familiar with the source material, so don't have a go at me for that. I mean, it's an adaptation, but I don't care how faithful it is to that um, that Metallica song. So it's the story of the Endless, who are gods of various things like dreams, desire, death, something else, and it follows the story of Morpheus who's the dream of the endless and he's imprisoned for 100 years and then he has to then go on a mission to retrieve his three tools and along the way he meets other quirky characters with different powers that might have spin-offs that other may not and i didn't like it the first episode is brilliant you've got charles dance the atmosphere is there. Charles Dance is a great actor. The Morpheus actor, he's good, but I've realised that he's actually, he says nothing for that whole episode. He just has to look moody and be naked, which is very effective at. And there is a nice single cut that's like a hundred year time jump. And it sets up these concepts about the endless. And I thought this this could be great. This could be great because you've done everything very well and it's all set up to be great but then the quality immediately dropped off for me from episode two onwards and i started to feel like the cgi somehow looks a bit cheap not the the effects are good but the way it's integrated it looks a bit like doctor who sometimes where you've got people stood on a sound stage with lights flashing in the faces with in front of a wind machine just reacting to some CGI they're going to put in later. That's what a lot of it looked like, especially the Jenna Coleman, Constantine bits. Everyone looks too clean. Everyone's so clean that it doesn't feel like you're watching a real world. The characters are all very dull. They've got the powers. They turn up. They deliver exposition to each other for an episode or two and then go off again. The evil people are just evil. Morpheus is dull, bland, and 
he's on this mission to get his tools back. And I just thought, oh, God. So it's going to be three tools, three episodes per tool, 10 episodes, and that's it. But then he gets spoilers for the Sandman. So, if you, But you'll already know this if you listen to the Metallica song. He gets his tools back by like episode five or six. And you think, okay, well, now what's going to happen? Oh, it's a completely different story now. It's about this girl who's the key to everything. And she's got special powers. And it's about her teen drama and tracking down a brother. And it's like, I don't care about her because you've only, you're halfway in and you're making, basically making her the main character. Like, and she's fine. It's, it's, she's good and everything. But it turns into a very terrestrial, earth based drama, which is completely different from all the epicness that was set up in the first episode and the antagonist the um corinthian guy with the black sunglasses yeah. he he's just doing a bit of a cheesy like one-dimensional villain performance um brianna of tarth as death in hell just it doesn't have any mystique to her at all when she's first introduced she's looking out onto like the, the blue screen and she's got her wings and she just turns around to the camera and just walks down some steps and says hello and that's it. And there's no mystique to it at all. Compare that to, say, the way that Gladriel and Kate Blanchett is introduced in Lord of the Rings where there's a huge build and all this music and the, the atmosphere is all there. It just doesn't have that in Sandman. It's like, it's like this with a lot of Netflix content where there's this extra level of shine and polish that it doesn't have. I can't, exp- can't put my finger on what it is, but it's missing and it makes it, a level lower than most like Apple TV stuff, just in terms of the polish and the atmosphere and the general feeling of it. One of the limited naysayers, James. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have a fresh alternative opinion. I I don't like fantasy, do I? I don't. It's not my thing. But for some reason, it's not some reason. I learned Jenna Coleman was in this, and I just thought I've got to watch it. And then found out it's only in three of ten episodes joke um i really like this so far i I do know where you're coming from it seeing again to speak of a similar story as we did last week and i've just mentioned with blackbird is too highly rated i get that there's some people who've been waiting for this for years because apparently it was unadaptable unfilmable but is either so true to that source material that it just ticks every box or people are just being hyperbolic again and just blowing it out of proportion? Because <clears throat> it's just okay. It's Well, no, for me, because I don't watch this stuff, I'm really enjoying it, but I can, from an outsider's perspective, go, it's just okay. I don't think there's anything spellbinding about it. CGI, completely agree. I think there are some spectacular-looking things in this, like, unbelievably so, but again... 12% of it is really shoddy, and that spoils it, I think. I loved episode five. The, the main thing that I'm really enjoying about this is every single episode feels like you're watching a completely different show, and that's just different and weird enough for me to like it. I think if... Is it Tom Sturridge? Yeah. He is boring. He is bland. I'm sure that's the character. Not a great fan of him, but if he wasn't there, it would feel like I'm watching a different show every episode. And episode five is like a bottle episode that takes complete uh, takes place completely in a diner and it's brilliant. I loved it. But I'm not as much of a fan as everyone is is saying, you know, oh it's amazing. Whatever. So yeah, different ends of the spectrum on that one. So go and watch it, make your own minds up. 
I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm being I'm being harsh on it because the hype was so massive. Like in in um in a lot of the British newspapers, they were giving it four star reviews and saying this is brilliant, this is brilliant, it's just it's like it's bringing it all to life. And I just thought, yeah, it's okay. It's on about the level of lock and key. Like it's a it's a decent piece of content. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Anything else? Um, uh, Vep on HBO slash now TV. This is going to be positive, okay? <laughs> so relax. Irma Vep, which is spelled I R M A V E P. Hmm. What's that? An anagram of vampire. And what what is that. this? What is this program? Maybe you've not even heard of it. It actually was released on June the sixth, but it's come to my attention because it was finally released in the uk it stars academy award winner alicia vikander and she's also an executive producer i've already had one run at trying to explain this to someone today so bear with me so alicia vikander plays mira an american movie star who's disillusioned by her career and she goes to france to star as irma vep in a french television show that's one level the second level is that the show that is being made is a remake of a French silent film called Les Vampires. Now that silent film, that's a real film that exists called Les Vampires, level two. Level three of this is that this series is created by Olivia Assayas, and he has already made a film called Ermavet in the 90s that is the same thing so this Irma Vep series, it's a remake of his own film from the 90s. A remake of the Irma making Vep. of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, with you. He's yeah. already done a film within a film, and now he's doing another film within a film, but it's a series. So there's, there's that you, it gets pretty deep into meta uh, levels. I thought this was absolutely brilliant. I'm not trying to be pretentious or anything. It's got like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's got 6.7 on IMDb, which is borderline, like low or average for your standards. I think the way this is described in some synopses, that it's about this character, this actor, Mira, who the more she goes on, she, she it blurs the distinction between between uh, reality and fantasy, and you think, oh, this is going to be like Black Swan. This is Alicia Vikander's Black Swan. It's going to be really serious. But it's a comedy drama. It's a comedy drama that's a film within a film, and there are farcical, genuinely funny scenes of them making this French TV show. And the director, René Vidal, who I'm guessing is based on the real French director, played by Vincent McCain, he's a really, really funny character. He's very like softly spoken, but he'll also just fly off and go mental and start shouting at people. There's another uh, German actor, Lars Eidinger, who plays a character called Godfried, who's like a coke addicted. No, he's he's a, yeah, he's like a crack addicted guy who has to have crack to be able to act. So the scenes where the producer is like trying to is is has crack on her moped as she's got Alicia Vikander on the bike. And the, she's on the phone to someone saying, you can't have Mira transporting crack through Paris. So it's 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 really funny, but it's also actually good. Unlike Sandman, it's actually well-written with characters that 
go through some growth, that sit down with each other and don't just deliver exposition. They actually talk about things. So if you're interested at all in art versus content and like entertainment versus cinema and things like that, these actors and producers actually sit down and talk about those things. And it's interesting to hear them talk about it, all these like French artist types talking about this stuff. And Alicia Vikander, her character starts off as she's a disillusioned actress and she wants to do some something real, like a real like artistic project. And is it going to work? And she does do the black swan thing of getting lost in the character. And it, and it does do some pretty weird stuff towards the end. So there's that as well. So she's good in it as well. There's so there's there's levels to it in terms of all the meta levels, but it's it's a comedy and drama, and they have interesting discussions about content that make it worth watching. And there there are parts in it where you see the film within a film that you're watching, which is the HBO program, and then they'll cut to the French TV series that Alicia Vikander's character is starring in. Then they'll cut to the real silent film from the 20s that actually exists. And then they'll cut to the 90s film starring Maggie Chung from the 1990s. So they'll cut between four different things that's all like the same sort of scene. And that just it, it is really mind-blowing, but also interesting to watch. And I think there are some parts of it. I think you probably could go back and watch it where the scenes that they're filming or that they're talking about doing are sort of reflected in the scenes in the program that you're watching. For example, there is a scene where two actors who used to be in a relationship, they're talking about their characters in the French TV series and the male actor, he's saying, you know, I think, I think we need a scene between our characters that shows their passion to each other, but I just don't know how I would do that. And the actress, she says, you want to, you just want to have a sex scene, don't you? You just want to have a sex scene. And the actor, the male actor says, well, I don't know how else we would show that, show our passion for each other. Same episode, you have Alicia Vikander and her ex-girlfriend meeting up awkwardly again. And they're in a public place, but they're on, on set. And they have this like tense, sexually charged conversation where Alicia Vikander's ex-girlfriend, she's like, oh, I want to see you in your cat suit. Like, take your robe off. And Alicia Vikander's like, no, no. But then her ex-girlfriend says, stand up. No, I'm not going to stand up. Oh, come on, stand up. She stands up. Take your robe off. No, I'm not taking my robe off. But she takes her robe off anyway. Spin around and walk from it. And she ends up manipulating her into doing stuff, which is just in view of everyone, fully clothed. But it tells you so much about the characters without it actually being a sex scene. And it's like it's commenting back on the previous scene between the two characters. It's all like that. It's it's all like that well thought out. And I, I was completely captured. It had my attention. It had my attention for the whole run. Unlike Sandman, where I was like, this is just more exposition I've ever seen. So Irma Vep on HBO Max slash Sky Atlantic slash Now TV. I loved it. Well, I've not heard you speak that passionately about anything. Ever, no, I'm only joking. Um, about anything content-wise for quite a while. I the six point seven rating did put me off. I didn't know that the critical reception was so much higher. So, especially now that you've said all that, I will definitely be watching that. I did not know it was partially a comedy, though. I was expecting it to be quite dark. But uh, oh, yeah, well. that's 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 sorry. Yeah, that's the thing because the poster gives the sense that oh, it's about an actor being like torn apart. Mm. by a character, by film. 
and there's no summary that re- there's no like official synopsis that really gets across that it's it's very funny at times. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I'll watch that soon because no doubt it'll disappear from my TV in a good month or so. So I will have to be hasty. James, is that the end of the watch list? That's the end, yes. So shall we discuss what's going on in the world of news? It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. I want to get your thoughts on some comments that the boys showrunner Eric Kripke made. There was an article in Variety, admittedly, it was two months ago, about the boys that showrunner slamming TV series that aim to be 10-hour movies. F you, no you're not. And I thought, finally, somebody said it. And they talk about how Anthony Mackie described The Falcon and the Winter Soldier as like a six or eight hour movie. And Ewan McGregor described Obi-Wan Kenobi as one big movie. And the boys, showrunner Eric Kripke, said, no, that's that's not the case. He has said that a lot of filmmakers who work in streaming didn't necessarily come out of that network grind. They're comfortable with the idea that they can give you 10 hours where nothing happens until the 8th hour. That drives me effing nuts. I had to get people interested 22 hours of the year. I didn't get the benefit of just hanging on. And he doesn't have any patience for people that say, well, I'm making a 10-hour movie. F you. No, you're not. Make a TV show. You're in the entertainment business. Finally, Finally, somebody said it. This makes this feels like vindication for me because when I say, oh, this show is boring, nothing happens, I can hear a voice in my head saying, ah, but it's a slow build. Have some patience. And now this guy is saying what I'm thinking, that if you're going to do 10 hours, each hour has to offer something. Don't just drag it out. Yeah. And he's certainly put his money where his mouth is as far as the boys are concerned. That is not a dull TV show. It does move lightning quick. Never watch Supernatural, though, which I believe is what he's most well-known for. Is that right? Is that the thing? Yes, I've I've not watched that either. Yeah. Always thought it was a bit of a meh show, that, and that teenagers watched it. But actually, I think it does have quite a high rating, and, you know, props to him if he's gone on to do The Boys. He must have some talent and know what he's talking about. So, yeah, yeah, no, well well said him, uh, because I think there is a lot of just boring standard stuff out there that does drag its feet a bit. So, yeah, good on him for calling it out. What else is in this notepad of yours that you've been furiously writing notes in throughout the week? Yeah, just just saving the odd article. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino has offered a rare review of Top Gun Maverick? And he has said that he effing loves Top Gun Maverick. I thought it was fantastic. Yes. So even if Quentin Tarantino says it's good, that means that it's good. Yeah, set in stone now. There's absolutely undeniable. It is a classic. Yep. That's what that plagiarizer has to say about it. Yeah, it's a bona fide actual fact. (laughs) Old news by the time we get around to releasing this episode, but I'm sure there'll be developments a film that I did not even know was being made has been completely and utterly canned. Batgirl, the Warner Brothers funded film, they've they've completely canned it. And they've come out and said that it was because it's tested poorly. 
there's a lot of noise on the internet saying that's just simply not true. And it's a lot of spin because they get a tax break from cancelling this film so early on. And in terms of how it's reflected on the studio, not great, really, not great. There are some various people of different ethnicities involved in this production from the actress playing Batgirl to the directors themselves who helmed the Bad Boys for Life, the top grossing film of 2020. Apparently, did you find out that the one of the guys who directed it, he found out on his wedding day that they just completely shelved this film? No, I didn't, I didn't know. That's how Warner Brothers decided to, uh, to do that. But anyway, all this is apparently bringing a lot into question because there are knock-on impacts to what has happened. Apparently, the guy who owns... Is it Warner Brothers? Yeah. He has said that he will save the company and get them out of the ridiculous amount of debt. So they are making cuts left, right and centre, and that will impact the TV network, which has not yet made it to this show, but HBO Max. So there's a lot of content coming out of there, but apparently that will not be as fluid as it has been over the last few years. So there's a lot to dive into with all this. I don't think we've got time to do that, but what's your initial reaction? Batgirl, Michael Keaton was going to return. That's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not a shame if it was going to be rubbish. There's only one Im- There's one promotional image in existence, and it's of Batgirl in the Bas- Batgirl costume, and one look at it just tells me that it wasn't going to be great. It's it's a really weird looking costume. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. You can see they've tried to do a more like practical looking style, which is the modern style, which is fine. Like it's it's slightly more loosely fitting, but it just looks like someone wearing a purple jacket. Yeah, and it's not it's not it's not a good color either. It's just it's just not good. Like she looks good in the role, I and mean, she probably is good, which is a shame, but. Something not right about that costume. It looks like Primark's Batgirl mm. costume, doesn't it? Yes, yes, that's right. It does. So, and I, so I also, like you, I didn't know it existed this film, but I also didn't know that this was going to be Michael Keaton coming back, which feels like a fairly significant pop culture event that's now not going to happen. So Michael Keaton's come back and he's done, he's done Batman again, which must have. Felt weird for him, but now they've just said, "Oh no, we'll still pay you, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna release it." Sorry, but is he still going to be in the Flash film? Uh, if that ever comes out, given Ezra Miller's continuous road to disaster, so <laughs> we will see. We will yeah. see. Yeah, Ezra Miller will do the Flash press tour from prison. <laughs> it's definitely looking that way. Um, oh, what was I going to ask you about this? Obviously, this this has been covered quite a lot this week, but I was listening to uh, another podcast and they were saying, do you think this will ever come out? I know that they've completely shelved it, but they're in post-production. So is there a world in which... In fact, they didn't even discuss this, but do the filmmakers have any rights over that material? Could no. they say, here's my cut, Zack Snyder style, yo? Um, could they? I don't know. Will it seem like... I don't like think he has, no. He doesn't have any rights. They don't have any... They don't own it, I don't think. So they've unless someone's in, come in, they've done then. the job. Yeah, they've come in, they've done the job, and it's got nothing to do with them anymore. Right. They're not. They don't have Christopher Nolan levels of like control over their own 
over their stuff. Like how Christopher Nolan was like, no, Tenet is being released in cinemas. I don't care. Like they don't, they don't have that influence. Yeah. Well, what a shame, eh? Or maybe not. Maybe we've saved ourselves an hour and a half to two and a half hours, which is now the general running time of a film of wasted time. So there we go. Should we get to a film that did see the light of day? Yes. Oh, go on. Did you have something else? I mean, I was trying to think of a trend Trend on as my mouth was already open (laughs) (laughs) hello i'd like to order an opinion please this film is new fresh point of view let me sit back this is a fact we in the aisles here are some aisles thoughts in sync tell you what to think i'll listen to you but please don't rap again this week's main review is bullet train Deer Creek International Business Solutions, how can I help you? I am ready. Well, that's great, Ladybug. Ladybug? Your new operational name. Oh, I see what you're doing. Ladybug's supposed to be lucky. Ha! You don't have bad luck. Really? My bad luck is biblical. I'm not even trying to kill people and someone dies. Remember the suicidal bellboy? You drove him to the hospital. Hang in there, buddy! And he didn't die. Okay, the wedding. Johannesburg. It's time for some change. Do you want it simple for your first job back? Doesn't get simpler. We need to find a person who took that case. That's too easy. Shit. What? Remember those two wackos from the Bolivia job? The twins? Yeah, not so sure they're twins. Get off the train. You stab me? I will never stop coming for you. What? I missed my stop. Something else going on here. Hi. You don't remember me. You look like every white homeless man I've ever seen. Really? You don't remember me? Ladybug is an unlucky assassin who's determined to do his job peacefully after one too many gigs has gone off the rails. Fate, however, may have other plans as his latest mission puts him on a collision course with lethal adversaries from around the globe, all with connected yet conflicting objectives on the world's fastest train. James, what did you think of Bullet Train? As is almost always the case, I've not read the source material. And just as an aside before we even started, why is it that every review in every newspaper has to be written by someone that has read the source material that then goes on to compare it because most people have not read most books i'll say that the other way around any any given book most people on earth have not read it so it follows that if of any random of any group of people watching a piece of content most people will have not read the book true that unless it's something like other rings but anyway so I've not read the book, but then most people haven't. So get off my back about it. I haven't said nothing. Chill out. I love a bit of Brad Pitt. When I saw this film, I thought, Brad Pitt, that's a mark of quality. It has to be good. It has to be. But I, I had my suspicions when I watched the trailer that this might not be that good. But it does at least create a clear plot. He's on a train. He's got to get a briefcase. And there are other people on the train, and they have their own missions that are very clearly stated. They all want the briefcase. Some they, some people want to just protect the guy. Other people want to kill a guy. That's all set up. They're all quirky and sane characters. Fine. Good setup. And 
you think, right, there's going to be more to this, but it turns out there isn't really much more to it. And it definitely stays on the rails. It doesn't go on the rails, but while it's on the rails, I wonder, does it slow down so much in terms of development of events that it doesn't keep your interest that much? Like Even though the train is always moving, does the story keep going? Not really. Does it need to be two hours? I'm not sure. However, it's an action film and it's got action in it and the action is entertaining. It may, it's a little bit repetitive. There's too much blocking of attacks with the briefcase, but oh God. As, an, as an action film, as an action film, it's got some well-choreographed, excited action scenes, mixes up different like weapons and, and guns and it's all good stunt work and they make good use of the train space by smashing things and throwing bottles at each other. So all that was insane. So it was an action film. It worked really well. And I think Brad Pitt, he's not an action guy, but he looked good doing all that stuff. It was good. And I couldn't help thinking that it felt like a throwback. It felt like a film that would come out a few years after Kill Bill or after Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, it was like title cards introducing the characters, lots of flashing like colours and just cool people being cool. It feels like that kind of film, a throwback. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not because it feels like there's a million films like that that have the character's name show up in a title card. Brad Pitt, as I say, I love a bit of Brad Pitt. <clears throat> we went through a a binge of like all almost all Brad Pitt films because we just decided as a as a household, me and my wife, we love Brad Pitt. Let's watch them all. Watch Legends of the Fall. It's underrated with him and Anthony Hopkins. So he's very good in it, but the words that he's given to say, the quips get a bit repetitive. He's got a quip for every single thing that happens and it gets tiresome, even though he's very charismatic and watchable. Joey King I think is miscast as that role. I'm sorry, where she has to flip between being all innocent schoolgirl and deadly assassin. I'm sorry, I don't. I think there are people that could probably done a better job. But Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Terry Henry as the twins, Tangerine and Lemon. They have an entertaining back and forth. They're fun to watch. Again, seems a bit like it's from a Guy Ritchie film, but they have an entertaining relationship they have a good bond and they love each other as brothers and they're good to watch so there's a, a lot of elements in there that make it entertaining i just don't know if it really held together and kept me going on a journey that i was interested in for the whole runtime daniel what did you think of bullet train uh so i, I unlike my usual trick i did watch the trailer for this because i had to um, because of one of our recent cinema ratings. And it, it came across as a bit of mindless popcorn entertainment. And they're not going to win any prizes for false advertising because that's exactly what it is. You've explained the plot, so I won't go over that again. It's not boring. It's just, as I say, what I promised to be ridiculous action nonsense. And I agree, it was fun to see Brad Pitt. I like Brad Pitt. I'm not his biggest fan, but I don't mind him in things. And for me, I don't think I've seen a lot of his comedic roles. So in this, he is playing a bit more of, of a prankster. Not a prankster, 
I don't know what the word is. You know what I mean? Uh, there is a bit of a weird cameo at the end. He's filling in for somebody, and I couldn't help feel like his lines were designed for the person who didn't end up showing up, and they just ended up putting Brad Pitt in there. Anyway, more on that in spoilers. The humour, though, I feel like this is aiming to be more of a comedy or as much a comedy as it is an action, and I feel like the comedy just didn't land for me. It began and ended with the introduction of Brad Pitt being a bit of a different type of assassin where, you know, he's not quite cocksure. He's a bit reserved and he's going through therapy and therefore he's questioning things and he's a bit more cynical. It all felt a bit try-hard in terms of the comedy and also the coolness factor. I felt like he was trying to, I am cool and I am funny. No, you're not. Chill out. There was a joke about Thomas the Tank Engine that they did to an absolute death and I wish somebody had the common sense to just say, we've done it eight times now. We've got another hour to go. Let's leave it there. But no, they just drag it out and we get Thomas the Tank Engine references until like literally 15 minutes before the end. The action and choreography are, are fine, um, but it's nothing Shang-Chi or nobody level in terms of being memorable from my perspective. I actually thought that the most exciting stuff that happened was like a blink and you'll miss it moment that happened off the train. So they do these like Family Guy-esque cutaways to whatever they're referencing or talking about. And every time they do, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. What's going on here? But it is literally five seconds. We're done. We're back on the train. And I did feel like I was wanting to spend more time in those moments I don't think it was the trend setting that was putting me off or like on board of that aesthetic, but it just seemed more interesting. As I say, it's not terrible. I would even go as far as saying it's very watchable, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a great film. Um, Plot-wise, I completely have the opposite reaction to you. I think it's it's fundamentally basic, but they do a very good job of pulling the wool over your eyes, or they did for me and they introduce six characters with different motivations just to make it seem more complex than it actually is. And I ended up actually thinking, this is quite convoluted. I don't know what, who's doing what for what reason. And then I realised that I didn't really care and it didn't matter anyway. So it was fine. Critical reception has been all over the place on this. Some really highly praising it, others saying it's just generic action for... I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. The, the climax had enough visual flourish for it to maintain my interest enough, and there were some okay gags. But I don't really have a lot more to say about it. If you want a very forgettable time, albeit fun, then I don't think you'll begrudge the money that you spend at the cinema, but I really don't think you'll be thinking or talking about this film in a few weeks' time. That's That's my feelings on the matter. Well said, yes. You mentioned the train setting there. Do you recall in episode 96, we reviewed The Outfit that yeah. was a film set entirely in a tailor's shop and there were three rooms, the front the front shop bit, the middle room where stuff happened and then the back, the back, back room that was like... The, where the magic happens. Yeah, the, the, the cutting room. And then that film made so much use of that space where you felt there was so much to, to see and explore within those three rooms. But here, 
you've got the whole the whole bullet train to explore and it still felt repetitive like granted it literally is repetitive because it's a massive like train where all the carts are the same but i think that's something that's missing is that there's not you don't explore all the little spaces within the train yeah you've got the you've got the but there's the bar and then there's the bits with there's the normal carriages that have seats in and that's it it's it's just an excuse to block ac- action scenes differently isn't it having the different compartments of the train <laughs> they yeah. don't they don't use it the best um i agree yeah like just put the camera under the seats or something i don't know like just do anything but instead it's just it's all pretty they flash different colored lights yeah to make it look different that's about it <laughs> Um, second mistaking of somebody's nationality this week, I thought, oh my god, Aaron Taylor Johnson, your accent's awful. He's English, so <laughs> it's probably not. All right, mate, I'm a, I'm gonna kill you, mate. Me and my brother Lemon, my brother, from a guy, we're from a Guy Ritchie film, mate. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was bad as well. I, I thought he was doing a bad accent. And and fair enough, obviously, you might not be cockney. I don't know. I've never heard an interview with a guy. But anyway, that was that. There are things in this, and I'll, I'll mention what they are in spoilers, but do you not feel like they set up things as well that just don't pay off? Such as? There's a snake. Yeah. And what? Do you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah. It, it, they keep flashing back to it as if, oh, this is all going to kick off now. Not really. Yeah, and how how is it that in a film that is basically a comedy, how is it that no one said, I've had it with this mother-effing snake on this mother-effing train? Did no one think to set, suggest that? Maybe there's you, some you're sort already of copyright doing... infringement. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, they, did, they sort of paid it off, but in a way that was they allowed, that they, they could just dismiss it, and it was like, what's the point in that? And I did think that they introduced, what well, I'm going to look up her name... Like um, Zazie Beats, who was in Deadpool 2 from the same director. She played Domino. And then, this is maybe spoilers, when she when she appears, I was always like, oh, heard this is, this is like an, a whole new character that's not in the trailers. No, it's not. She's just it's, another Channing she's Tatum. Gone. She's gone. It's like, right, okay. And, and Karen Fukuhara, who is the silent woman from The Boys. I heard she's she in was, yeah, exactly. I thought, oh, she's in it, and I heard, there was a comment saying, "You get to hear her speak," and I thought, well, that's going to be good. No, it's you. You don't even you, well, you didn't even realize she was in it because it was so brief. It was it's basically an extra, which also felt like an insult because it's like she's she can actually do stuff, and the wolf character as well. I just when it when you realize hang on it really is just the brad pitt character the brothers and joy king it's like oh so this is it it's mm. just these four and it goes back and forth between them for two hours and then it ends not top tier entertainment but is it entertaining enough james would you recommend the bullet train couldn't remember the name of it already <laughs> it's zoomed off into the, into the distance I wouldn't recommend a cinema ticket purchase for this, but watch it on streaming. It does have enough to offer for two hours of entertainment. Daniel, would you recommend Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt and from the director of Deadpool 2, David Leach? 
I'm just going to echo exactly what you've just said by saying I echo everything that James just said. Okay, let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis, real name is Tyler Durden, sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Right. What happens in Bullet Train? Well, well, it's revealed that, and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, because I did lose interest a little bit. The White Death is a Russian gang leader of the largest criminal organization of the world. And it is revealed that he's bought every ticket on this bullet train. And he himself has hired this group of assassins to gather on this train so that he can kill them. Because all these different assassins, Ladybug played by Brad Pitt, the brothers, they have contributed in some way to the White Death's trauma, to the bad things that have happened to him. So he wants to get them together and kill them. And Joey King gets revealed that she is the White Death's daughter, and she's she's just not happy, not a good, not a good father-daughter relationship at all, really. And everything comes to a head where the, the train crashes, the White Death gets killed, almost everyone else gets killed, and Brad Pitt and Lemon, who's the Brian Terry Henry character, and I don't know his name. The old... The old guy from The Last Samurai. Yeah. Whose name, whose name isn't immediately clear from looking at uh, Wikipedia. Sorry, all people need to do is watch The Last Samurai and keep their eye out for an old guy, and then they've worked it out. Yeah, keep keep all for the um, Japanese guy, Hiroyuki Sanada, who is the go who's the go to guy for like Japanese action roles. He's an elder and he's seeking revenge on the White Death, and he makes a like an unannounced arrival on the bullet train so that he can take revenge for the White Death, like taking over the previous criminal organization which does mean that that character the elder played by hiroyuki sanada he's also a criminal and a gangster so he's not maybe sympathetic no they're all gangsters they're all horrible it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i've lost but... interest in what you're saying that's how conflict knowledge not because you're saying it it's just unnecessary confusion in my eyes yeah it, it was it was yeah i think there was it was unnecessarily confusing the way it was presented but i think i've got it roughly right yeah yeah no 100 i agree um you did a sterling job once again you mentioned the misery that the what's it called the black death the white death white death sorry gosh 50 50 got it wrong he the misery his wife was killed when he was the target, that's one of the miseries that he suffered. That's all I'm bringing to the table, James, because it's the only piece of information I remember. So, biggest spoiler in the film. What year is this set in? Everyone's using weird phones. Why is there a Sony Walkman phone? Why is there an Ericsson knocking about? What's going on? Is it is this set in the 90s? I'm not, it might be, yeah, it might be. Maybe that's when the book came out and they're just oh, keeping in um, they just shut up about the book we haven't read it it's irrelevant i just wondered if you noticed yeah i hadn't i didn't notice actually so just to i've already said it in non-spoiler bit but zazzy beats plays the hornet turns up immediately gets killed and bad bunny plays the wolf turns up immediately gets killed and i wasn't keen wasn't keen on that and ryan gosling not Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds. He did a cameo. It turned out he was the assassin 
who had a bad stomach that Brad Pitt was filling in for, which is what I was referencing earlier when I said I feel like it was written for somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 White Death want actually wanted to get revenge on the Ryan Reynolds assassin character, not Brad Pitt. He just he just happened to yeah. be there. Uh, incidentally, when you've got a minute, look at Brad Pitt's IMDb uh, profile picture. He's doing a really weird smile. It's it's a strange, okay. strange chest. Okay, I think I, I, yeah, Bullet Train, which is what we're talking about. Did you uh, did you pick up uh, that there was there was a fate destiny theme going on? It was all like about about luck and chance and how you know bullets are bullets get fired into you know pieces of jewelry and the briefcases used to like miraculously deflect things and there's that montage of the bottle the journey that the bottle takes to where it ends up and yeah that was that that was definitely something that was in the film layers yeah layered it didn't really didn't enhance my experience i've got to say no now that you've said it so ridiculously obvious that that is there but i didn't even pick up on it at the time so that's how checked out i was i'd handed my ticket in i'd sat down and i'd fallen asleep in my paid for first class seat i hadn't actually fallen asleep i watched it all in full so my review stands god he does have a weird smile on imdb brad pitt doesn't he yeah yeah borderline creepy don't like it don't like it yeah can I ask a question, right? This suitcase that everyone's yep. after, why does apple and pears or oranges and lemons or clementines and whatever they're called, why do they leave it in the baggage area if it's so oh, yeah. precious? What's that, that about? Is, exactly. You can that's a huge plot hole. You can fit it under your seat. Yeah. It's too valuable to put. And even when I when I um use trains, which I've tried to avoid, like public transport, oh my god. Um, no, I'm joking. This is too expensive. <laughs> this is too expensive to use a train. Um, I keep an eye on my luggage. If I if I ever was using um the luggage area, I would sit facing it mm. and I'd look at it for the whole journey. Yeah. And there was a time when I this is before before the days of iPods and iPhones. I had a, a portable music player that I had on the table in front of me, and I fell asleep with it on the table, and it was stolen literally from under my nose while I was asleep. So you've got to be careful. So it's something that valuable, yes, they should have put it on, you should have put it under the seat. That that didn't make no sense. Yeah. And no sensors on them carriage doors when a scraggly man makes his escape. So call back, full circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think they had to keep coming up with reasons to keep Brad Pitt on the train. You know how there was a stop; there was regular stops, and the train stops for one minute each time. It got a, even that got tiresome of them having to have a, new reasons to force him to stay on the train. Yeah, yeah, it did seem a bit shoved in there, didn't it? Just like the naming of the characters, Ladybug for a male character and Prince for a female character. It's, yeah, it was really, that was, yeah, really, really funny. Yeah, <laughs> I had a good time with it. Anyway, any any more for any more, James? Spoilers? No, 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 no. All I will say, no, cut this out. Cut this out. Go on. You think that Sandra Bullock looks like Michael Jackson? <laughs> Why are you going to make me cut that out? 
Don't make me cut that out. <laughs> okay. But that's more that Sandra Bullock's stunningly beautiful. It's more of a comment on Michael Jackson than it is on Sandra Bullock. I'm not I'm not I'm not in with my I'm head. Not... <laughs> I don't know what's being said now. You're implying that I'm not in... Michael Jackson and Sandra Bullock are beautiful. No, I'm saying that <laughs> Michael Jackson looks like Sandra Bullock, not the other way around. So Sandra there's nothing wrong with Sandra Bullock. She's perfect. I will answer by Jackson, saying <laughs> Michael Jackson has a look of my Sandra Bullock. <laughs> and not anymore, he doesn't. I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. But I agree yeah. with the Sandra Bullock looks very good for her age. I'm sure she's had some work done, haven't they? No need to say it for her age. Oh Just no, I'm it. not supposed to say that. I'm a my Mrs. Bullock Smith that all the time. She's looking good for her age. Shh. I'm just saying, I admire the older woman anyway. Right, all that bit's getting cut out. James, what are we reviewing? Not next week, but the week after, because we're bi-weekly now. All right, no, there's a way we can do this. That is a joke. And, but also leaving me saying this. <laughs> okay. Say, so, do you know what we're reviewing next week? Brilliant. James, do you know what we're reviewing next week? Nope. I don't know where to go from there. Nope. It's a joke. We're reviewing. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, could I could have done the intonation better, but it was. A... And I could have not spoiled it by explaining the joke because that always ruins joke. But there you go. That's just what I do. Yeah, but you've but you've already left in me saying let's do this as a joke anyway. But it's 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 written and directed by Jordan Peele. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. If you wish to follow us, you can do so at In the Hours Podcast on Instagram. You can leave us feedback, suggestions, concerns at inthehourspodcast at gmail.com and leave us a five-star review and rating. It really, really does help. James, public transport, you've already slagged it off once. Do you have any words of advice for those getting aboard a train slash bus? Mind the gap. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I'll just back that up with purchase your ticket in advance because you will get wounded if you don't. Right, thank you very much for listening. See you next week, the week after.